Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello again, and welcome to an episode of Fresh Hop Cinema. If my notes are correct, this is episode 171. I didn't touch uh, the number this time. Johnny, is it 171? It is 100% 171. Okay. Um, that's Johnny Summers. And that's Max Minardi, and we're back again. Yeah, uh, this is a podcast based out of Chico, California, where we talk about craft beer and films, usually a couple of each per episode. We come out every single week, usually on Tuesdays, but who knows what day it is now? It doesn't matter. Uh but if you are still keeping track of things like the date, there's a good chance you're still online and connected to the world. So Johnny Summers, where can people find us on the internet? Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema. Facebook, we're at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod. Uh, and Untapped and Letterboxed at Fresh Hop Cinema. And then Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema helps keep this thing rolling. And also our website, FreshHopCinema.com. Yeah, uh, if you don't know what Patreon.com is, it's a way for you, uh, like Johnny said, to keep the show rolling by giving us a very lovely donation of a uh, dollar or three dollars or five dollars per episode, and we give you cool stuff back like uh, bonus content and um, exclusive invites to, at least these days, uh, Zoom beer shares where we all get together on our phones or computers or tablets and hang out and uh, see some people that are not our cats, which I find really nice. It's pretty fun. It is nice. I'm looking forward to it, doing that again soon. Uh, and also, if you're one lucky patron, you can get some love that only a son could provide. Fair enough. Yeah. I did want to shout that out now because we also got, I got a text message from uh, our friend Nick and he said, hey man, I just love what I'm going to see if I can pull up his text, but um, something along the lines of, I love the bonus content this week. Uh, I love your mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> and something else. Uh, which is funny because my mom actually called us during our recording session last week and we were still rolling. Um, and we just started talking and I said, mom, do you think it'd be okay if I use this conversation? Um, for our said, bonus absolutely, absolutely not. And I said, I hear you loud and clear. And then we posted it. And then I told my mom that and she goes, well, I want to hear it. How do I do it? And I was like, well, it's this thing called Patreon. And so then she joined and here we are. So That's my mom's awesome. on Patreon. There we go. Heck yeah. We're going to get your mom to a bottle share someday. That'd be great. Maybe we can get her on Zoom. That'd be fun. She likes um, amaretto sours. That's kind of, she doesn't really drink, but when she does, it's an amaretto sour and she'll have like two of them and then she will laugh for about 40 minutes and then she will crash and go to sleep. And fall asleep. That's it. <laughs> that sounds like a typical afternoon for me. Fair. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's very endearing whenever I get to see that side. It, it happens like maybe once a year, like around Christmas or something. That's awesome. Was she yeah. drinking at the wedding? Um, yo, yeah, yeah. She was <laughs> drinking at my wedding. Probably not like a ton or anything, but she, she had a couple. Nice. Um, I was drinking, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I uh, did I show you, uh, what is this? this is a wedding talk, doesn't matter. We can talk about this another time. We should get to- uh, I want to talk about it now. Well, there's a there's a, a gift that I made. Um, one of my groomsmen, Jacob, had like spilled a beer, kind of, or he said he got bumped, but who knows, down the front of his suit, and it was captured like in like a one or two second video. Um, oh shoot. And I saw it when I watched a highlight video and I took it, I turned it into a gif and it's like the funniest, like he's so proud of his spill, but he's like dancing it. Uh, so I, the point is a lot of people were drinking at the wedding. That's all I'm trying yeah. to say. That's right. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a good time. Heck yeah. You want to dive we in? Talk about what's that? You want to dive in? Yeah. Let's, let's dive in. Let's okay. talk about the first beer. I picked out beers again this week. Yeah. Lead the way. Um, 
Yeah. So we're doing a beer called Hoplite from a brewery called Black Project. They're a spontaneous and wild ales type brewery. They do a lot of spontaneous fermentation stuff. They're out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, I became familiar with them when I was in Denver. Their stuff was everywhere. Got to try a bunch of their stuff on tap. I didn't make it to the tap house, but definitely got these guys on my radar as soon as uh, I tried their first the first thing I had from them. Sure. Um, this beer, Hoplite, is a wheat ale with blood orange, and it's been dry hopped with Columbus cryo hops that have been cryogenically frozen like uh, Ted Williams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Four and I don't actually know. I'm sorry. I went to go with it, but who's, who's Ted Williams? Uh, he's a baseball player oh. that froze himself <laughs> yeah. uh, in the hopes that someday we'll like, cure aging or something. Right. Yeah, he's frozen like in a vault somewhere. Yeah, great. I was like, I don't know who that is. I think it might be sports. Yep, it was yep. sports. Okay. <laughs> yep. So yeah, four and a half percent alcohol on this guy. It's uh, it's a little, little light, and then three point eight percent on Beer Advocate. So solid ratings uh, from their website. Hoplite is a new beer made using blood orange and a big dose of cryo hops, which are the concentrated lupulin of whole leaf hops, containing resins, aromatic oils that are designed to provide intense hop flavor and aroma. It's a perfect mixture of tropical fruit and hoppy dankness. The hop and fruit character in this beer melt together so perfectly it is difficult to tell which is which. It's drinkable, it's refreshing, and it's a great beer to share with those friends that may be just getting into complex wild ales from the world of IPAs. So... That's a general rundown, and uh, I've tried it. Have you tried it? I did, man, and that's a really, I mean, that's pretty on point because I smelled, when I opened the can, it was just like, that smells like super, super hoppy, Yeah, uh, which really kind of threw me off, and then I tasted it, and it was surprisingly bitter um, in, mm-hmm. a, in a fruity way, uh, very zesty and kind of tangy, and then it does kind of finish with like a, like almost like a hoppy sort of punch. Yeah. Very strange. I like this beer a lot. It's aggressive. But I, I think I like it too, man. It really is. It's aggressive, like at first, like the first sip, it's like pointy. Yes. Like getting stabbed in the mouth. Like, ah, oh God, what am I drinking? Yeah, totally. And then it kind of mellows out and you almost have like a little bit of a, a bready malt with some hops on the finish that it finishes, yeah, leaves your mouth dry, not like the juicy finish mm-hmm. at all. Um, very dry finish. Uh, I like the level of tang on this beer. It is, it is super punchy. Like, whoo. Yeah. It's a like I, I was trying to figure out if I liked the level of carbonation because I expected it to be a little bit more after I tasted it, but it's pretty it's pretty mellow in that respect. There's not a whole lot of effervescence going on, which I actually mm. think lends to sort of the well, almost like a heaviness, and it, it almost makes it feel like it's higher in alcohol than four and a half percent. Um right. which is like it's tricking my brain into thinking like maybe this isn't super drinkable that said i've had uh two relatively small sips so i'm I'm gonna obviously dive back in but i wanted to point out the can art um and i'll talk about the second beer later but you picked out two stellar cans this week um i think if people follow us on instagram these will be two of the like side by side one of the best weeks we've had with two very cool cans yeah Um, just like very um somehow aesthetically pleasing this one's very simple it's a black matte kind of wraparound label with a silver cut out of a paper airplane folded in just very, very simple and very elegant, I think. And it suits the style pretty well. Yeah, it looks super modern, which I like. It's just clean. It's got nice lines to it. Yeah, uh, very eye-catching. Like, I wanted to try this beer, and I didn't know what was in the can. So that's a good testament to a label. Is is that um, is that part of the reason you picked it out? Did you know about this, or did you go in looking for this, or did you just kind of spot it? And where did you find it, by the way? Uh, this I got both our beers at SNS this week. Uh, Andy let me know that he had gotten this in. Uh, he knows that I like their beer, actually, um, and he had mentioned liking this one quite a bit. 
So it's one of the more rare things. You don't really ever see their stuff in California. So yeah. I figured it would be absolutely perfect to do on the show just because I did have a little bit of a background with them and then also just the 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 sheer rarity. And also I've been super into uh, like funky, sour, like wheats. Yeah. There's a beer called um, Funky Mosaic from Prairie. Oh, they cool. have yeah, yeah, yeah. At, That's a great beer. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, and they have that at SNS, and it's like 350 379 a can. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I've, every time I go in there, I, I bought two more today. Sure. I'm like, I just, I love that beer. Uh, it's a style that I find very approachable. Uh, it's not so astringent, and ha- it doesn't have that gnarly acidity that I don't like in yeah. a lot of sours. Yeah. Like for me, like this beer and that that funky mosaic really hit a nice middle ground. Uh, yeah, I'm quite for sure. pleased with it. But yeah, yeah, drink, yeah, drinking the drinking that funky mosaic a couple times recently made me gravitate towards this one for sure. Yeah, but the yeah, it's it is really approachable. Like I, I'm still even after a couple of drinks now, like I'm still getting kind of that um, intense tang up front. Um, I haven't mm-hmm. found that that really mellows out, but it doesn't leave you the same way that like a. Um, I don't know, like the most Degardi Degard beer would. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. My benchmark for that type of thing is like a rare barrel, where it's oh, like an yeah, en- totally total enamel peeling teeth action. Yeah, I'm trying to because I've had a few rare barrels, but the ones that I always think about too are like Agrestic from Firestone um, mm. is another one that I think is pretty pretty approachable. But if you're not used to the style, um, or even because I don't think I drink them super super frequently. Um, so even for me, Agrestic is like, it's a, it's a bit much. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very nicely balanced beer. I think the hops really, uh, really balance it out pretty well. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I really like the balance on it. It does have that punch up front, but I think it's it's balanced enough that it's not, you know, it doesn't ruin the beer for me at all. It definitely, I think it enhances it a little, having that balance, because it finishes almost smooth and like you said, hoppy. Yeah. It's a very, very unique beer, though. Well, man, you want to give me a rating for Hoplite? Hmm. I have to taste it again. Okay, well, I will give you mine. Um, Yeah, my only thing is that I'm the reason I don't drink this style all that often is because I'm not the biggest fan of uh, wild ales or sour beers in general. Um, But I really like this as these beers go. This is one of the better ones I've had certainly recently. So I think I'm going to land on a solid solid eight with this one. Okay. Nice. Where, Where are you at? For me, I like this beer uh, quite a bit. Uh, I would like to see that punch up front be mellowed out a little bit more. For me, mm. bringing that down would just make it so much more drinkable. Um, I, I have, like I said, that beer, Funky Mosaic, in mind. Just That's what I'm comparing it to just because it's, yeah. for me, the benchmark uh, of that style. So for me, this hits at like a 7.6. It's really good. Okay. Um, I would start with this, but I would explore other beers uh, in this this genre, but as far as this stylistically goes, it's unique. The hops are kind of a curveball, but like it does work together. I've mm. never had a beer like this though, so it's definitely one that like I would recommend picking up and like taking to a share or just you know if you really like sours, you should try it. I definitely think so for sure. Just to be clear, you're, you're not saying seven or a six. You're saying seven point six, yeah? Correct. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. I think yeah. I'm, I'm gonna keep my eyes open for some more Black Project uh, stuff in general. Um, can I ask you how much this cost? Five bucks. Yeah, that's a great price. I was gonna. I would have guessed a little bit higher, and I think higher would have been fair, especially uh, with the the state import thing going on. Not going on, but you know they're more expensive usually when they're from far away. Right. Yeah. Totally. 
so I'm into it, man. I think it's a really, really good price. If you see Hoplite around, it's definitely like Johnny said here in Chico at SNS, probably several other shops. Uh, let us know what you think. We would love to hear uh, what your thoughts on this are. The one thing we didn't say at the top of the show is you can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have more than 280 letters, like on Twitter, you can just send us an email and we will get it that way. That's right. You can even send us a voicemail in the email if you yeah, want. Yeah, totally. Um, you want to move into flick picks? Let's do it. I don't have a lot to report this week. Uh, I've been deep in Netflix. I went really hard sure. in movies. Like I think we mentioned last week that I'd watched like five or six movies in the last week. Yes. Uh, total opposite this week. Okay. I've just been Netflix series and stuff. So I'm going to let you take the lead on the flick picks, man. Okay. Well, I got really excited because I, I mean, I've... I've Let's see. I'm going to see my count for that. I've, I've only watched uh, four, four since we last spoke, so not a crazy busy week, but not nothing. Um, and only two of those were new movies, uh, the one we're covering later, Extraction, and this other one that I found called Love, Wedding, Repeat. It came out this year, so I was shocked to see that and didn't know why it wasn't on my radar uh, until I watched it, and then I was like, oh, that's probably why. Um, it's a it's a rom-com that takes place at a wedding. This guy, uh, played by Sam Claflin, his character's name is Jack. His sister's getting married. And the the kind of premise of the movie is like, the crazy, craziest stuff's going to happen at this wedding. You got to make sure your sister's crazy ex-boyfriend doesn't ruin it. And you got to make sure your idiot friend isn't embarrassing him. So like that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I just put it on at like noon on a sleepy Saturday. And, you know, it's... My review said it's a it's a charming little train wreck, which I think is true. Um, other people include Olivia Munn is in this, Eleanor Tomlinson, um, other people. Joel Fry is somebody that you may have seen in a couple things that I can't think of off the top of my head, but it's got like a nice kind of goofy quality about him. He plays uh, Jack's best friend. Um, and it's just one of those movies that is a pretty mindless watch and you're the whole time looking in like judging these people for the stupid things that nobody in real life would do but they seemed like they had a fun time making the movie. So it was fine for that. It was directed by a guy named Dean Craig and I'm, I'm not going to maybe go searching out his other stuff probably. Um, so I don't know if you want to check out love wedding repeat, if it sounds like it's your cup of tea, if you're looking to kind of zone out while you're doing laundry or watch a cheesy rom-com, uh, check it out. It's on Netflix. I think it's, you know, it's like a solid four out of 10 for me, a two out of five on my letterbox. So, okay. You know, it's, it's a movie. It's that kind of thing. Uh, well, there's yeah. there's a lot of those out there, man. There's so many movies that are just there. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I was just, just looking. Yeah, I was just looking back through my letterbox, and there was one that you were describing that, and it was kind of like the horror equivalent of that that I just watched recently. Uh uh-huh. As the 2020 movie Fantasy Island. Oh, you watched that? Yeah, I did watch that, and it was kind of the same thing. Like, bunch of crazy stuff's gonna happen, and right. super almost totally predictable ways yeah, like totally uh, okay this is a movie that like you why why did you make this like it's just here yeah people have okay. money so you know here you go yeah make a movie like it did same thing it didn't suck but it wasn't great it was like right in that like three to four range like okay i watched that yeah i, I watched it cool but there's a lot of those and you have to watch a lot of those to find a gem it seems like yeah, I think that's true. And so, like, this is one time I didn't look at, like, any reviews before. I just saw it, um, and I – well, it popped up after I finished watching something I'll talk about and Hot and Bothered uh, later on. But I was like, all right, why not? Like, I'm sitting on the couch. It was one of those days where I woke up at, like, 11 and then went to bed at also, like, 
three in the morning and sat mm-hmm. on the couch the whole time, just like a non-productive day. And I was like, all right, we'll see where this goes. And then two hours later, it was over. <laughs> yep. And it I, was a way to kill two hours. Pretty much, man. Yeah. Uh, so that's fine. You know. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. So let's go ahead and not watch Love let's, Wedding Repeat. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't even come in that strong. Like, don't not watch it. Like, I don't know. If it's on, I maybe watch some of it. You'll know immediately if, if you want to watch it or not. I'd say give it a shot. Yeah. That's that's my that's my thing. That's fair. I actually, now that I think about it, I did have a movie. Oh, great. That I watched that I wanted to talk about. Hit me. And I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a movie with Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. Oh. And yeah, it was a really interesting, um, really interesting collaboration with those two. It was called Mr. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Not yeah, watching it. Yeah, but... it came out in 2015. Okay. I, I would say that's my flick pick. I did watch that. I forgot. Okay. Um, uh, g- good? Uh, it was actually really good. Was it really? It was, it was a silly goose time, though, man. I mean, um, okay, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's 44% approved, and Metacritic has it at 52, and IMDb has it at 6.3 out of 10. So you're sticking with really good. <laughs> It was pretty. I love Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in this, like, I didn't like him in Three Billboards, but uh. this is this was pretty good. It was a silly goose, uh, like romantic comedy. Anna Kendrick falls for a hitman who oh. like wears a. Yeah. It okay. was Yeah, and that's about what you would expect. Can I read? Can I just read the first couple sentences of the Wikipedia plot synopsis? Yeah. In New Orleans, Martha McKay leaves her boyfriend after he brings another woman home. At a hotel, at a hotel, Francis Munch, who I guess is probably a character, uh, confronts a woman who hired him to kill her husband and shoots her instead. I'm lost. A team of assassins prepare to kill Francis, but one operative, Hopper, stays behind and listens as Francis easily kills the others. Hopper receives a new cover identity as an FBI agent and is partnered with local police detective Gus Patrick in pursuit of Francis. Is this the right move? Is this what you're talking about? Yep. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Hopper is played by Tim Roth. Oh, that's fun. Who is, yeah, he kind of saved the movie a little bit for me. And uh, Riza is in it. He's one of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan. He was oh. a lot of fun in this. Uh, it was just a silly goose, like, shoot him up, bang, bang, funny, romantic comedy. Just kind of weird, strange movie, but I I liked it. Cool. I, I would say for sure watch it. It's on Netflix. Okay. Deal. Put it in your letterbox so I can uh, stalk you and remember to watch it. Okay. I think I did. Double check. Cool. I don't know. I'm bad at keeping up with apps. It's like I'm busy or something. Sure, which is, you know. <sighs> it yeah. doesn't make sense. I know. Uh, so hey, anyways. Do you think we should uh, hop to a break real quick? Uh, let's take a break. Yeah. Cool. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll drink another beer. That sounds good to me. Deal. Okay. Be right back. Hey, guess what out there in Radio Land? The Handlebar, our longtime partner, is open again. They have opened up for curbside pickup every single day from noon to eight. You can call them up. You can get some booze, like a cocktail or a bottle of wine to go with your food. Uh, all you have to do is call them. The number is 530-894-2337. Go place your order. All right. And we are back from the break and it is time for another beer picked out by our good friend, Johnny Summers. Johnny, tell me a little bit about this, uh, where you got it. What What's the skinny man? What's the four one one? Well, it's called "She Drives a Plymouth Satellite," <laughs> brewed by Fat Orange Brewing, Fat Orange Cat Brewing Company out of East Hampton, Connecticut. It's a New England IPA, seven and a half percent. 
It's got an untapped rating of 4.1 and a beer advocate rating of 92, but with only 59 ratings. That's Still, not good rating. It's good rating. Not not much sample size. That's true. Uh, and as far as other information, that's that's all we get. That's all we need. Apparently, that's <laughs> all we've been given. So yeah, it's a New England IPA, seven and a half percent. And we did a little bit of research because we're profesh uh, and figured out that this is a reference to a B fifty two song called yeah. Planet Claire. Yeah, did some digging. Uh, yeah, because it's a very. I mentioned earlier, I was very very um, entranced by both of the cans that you got. And this one is, you know, very much like the first in that it catches your eye, but very different from the first in that it is uh, just bright and almost neon-y looking with uh, a cartoon sketch of a girl with pink hair driving a car. And like Johnny said, he figured out this was from a B-52 song called Planet Claire, uh, of which the lyrics are as follows. She came from Planet Claire. I knew she came from there. She drove a Plymouth satellite a faster than the speed of light. Planet Claire has pink hair. All the trees are red. No one ever dies there. No one has a head. Some say she's from Mars or one of the seven stars that shine after 3.30 in the morning. Well, she isn't. She came from Planet Claire. She came from Planet Claire. She came from Planet Claire. And that's the <laughs> whole that's, song. <laughs> that's the whole song. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we, we noticed that the first line of the second stanza uh, starts with Planet Claire has pink. Oh, it says pink air, my man. Oh, it does. Oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe uh, Fat Orange Cat made a mistake too because the woman on the can definitely has pink hair and a head. I'm gonna say that this is actually a typo because there's no way. Well, maybe they have pink air. Who knows? Well, because it is talking about the planet. That's planet true. Claire has pink air. Yeah, yeah. All the trees are red. No one ever dies there, and no one has a head. I don't know if we're going to be able to figure out the meanings <laughs> of a B-52 song. I mean, many more drugs and maybe jump back in time like 50 years. And a rock lobster. The other thing I wanted to point out uh, is that this beer is not called uh, She Drove a Plymouth Satellite, as stated in the song. This is She Drives a Plymouth Satellite. My guess is that that is to avoid copyright infringement. So very well played, Fat Orange Cat. I commend you. Just Johnny, change the tense. Yeah, just change the tense. Um, can we talk about the name of this brewery? It's kind of one that sticks out to me a little bit. Yeah, it's Fat Orange Cat. Uh, kind of, I love yeah. it. It's it's a weird name. Catches your eye. Did a little more digging here by going to their website, and they explain it. And apparently this brewery is named after this lovely-looking cat who was named Billy, who passed away. And they say his love and passion for hanging out for hours and brewing will always live on through his name. There's a couple of cute pictures of this adorable cat on their website. Uh, which is fatorangecatbrewco.com if you want to check it out. Uh, it's very sad, but also kind of kind of heartwarming to have this on your website. Yeah, and now Billy's immortal Yeah, in Fat Orange Cat Brewing. Agreed. So if there's a reason to name a cat or a brewery after a cat, that's, I mean, come on. That's close. I respect that. That's a great so you, you have to. Yeah, for sure, man. Have you tried this beer yet? I'm actually about to pour it. Um, have you tried it yet? I have. All right, take the wheel. Don't I say have. it like that. I have. I've tried right. it. Well, hit me. Um, it's the liquid equivalent of that movie about weddings that you watched. Oh, love, we love wedding repeat. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. It's I got you. there. It's also it was there in um in October. Also, for what it's worth, mm. of last year. Is this that old? It is that old. Yeah, this is this is October of 2019. So I'm gonna give it a pass. I will also give you a pass, only because you've given me many passes for the same transgression in the past. Yeah, I thought it was new. 
Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it. Man, that sucks. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, though I, I'm, I'd be almost curious if I am curious, not almost. Um, if part of the reason we're just getting this is because of their sort of weird distribution situation. Yeah, possibly. Could you tell me about that? Uh, maybe. I guess. I'd be so honored. Where would I read about that? Oh, I thought you had it in front of you. I have it in front no. of me if you want me to. Uh, yes, do it. Okay. <laughs> We're bad at improv. <laughs> well, let me tell you about their strange uh, distribution situation. Uh, yeah. Basically, I'll, I'll just read this from their website instead of trying to summarize. It's just a few sentences. But they say, Fat Orange Cat Bruco is a small seasonal homestead brewery uh, open for tastings and growler sales uh, August 13th, 2016 out of their barn. We specialize in extremely high-quality small-batch recipes and are making every effort to support and promote local agriculture. They go on to talk a little bit more, and then they say for their large-batch beer, they are a member of a collective called 12% Beer Project. This, quote, enables us to use our small brew system here on site as a beer test kitchen, constantly offering new beers. We partner and contract brew on a large scale with 12%, enabling us to brew and distribute on a much larger scale while maintaining the small and intimate experience here at the brewery. So my um, maybe devil's advocate here is that um, this got distro late. Um, again, they're coming from Connecticut. I don't know where 12% is based out of, but it's not here. So, I mean, there's a chance this got mixed up in the batch and there's like, all right, this is probably a new beer. Send it out to all of our people. And now we have it. Yeah, it's probably that's possible. It just seems like a nice a nice loophole. I'd like to believe that's what happened, rather than, um, you know, you can't send out uh, what month is it? It's April. Uh, you can't send out seven six month old beer. That's not good. Yeah, not ideal. Well, I haven't even tried it now. I poured it and then you were you gave me the yeah. I tried it. Yeah, it sucks because yeah. Now that I know it's old, I'm like, yep, that actually makes a lot of sense. It's I've bonded just- with this cat, man. <laughs> I can't not try it. I mean, it's it's drinkable. Okay. It's just, it's not ideal. I think that's really what it is. It's It's gotten a little sweet, a little cardboardy, yep. Yep. a little stale. The overall, uh, unimpressive, but I think that's probably because it's, it's six months old. Yeah, I, I think I agree. You can almost taste kind of what this beer might have been. There is a, not, a, a lot of, um, yeah, like a lot of tropical sort of zestiness up front. Um, that does sort of inevitably give way to the more cardboardy kind of uh, old taste that you get after it sort of leaves your mouth for a second or two. So that's, yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, historically speaking, uh, New England IPAs are usually only good for like eight weeks. I mean, that's pretty snobby, man. I'll drink it up to three months. I mean, yeah. I'll drink, I'm going to drink this, but you know, I, I'll i buy something up to three months. Yeah. But you're totally right. They're much better. Within like the first, I'd say you notice it falling off after about a month. Yeah. Or I, I think do, you're right. Rather. Yep. And then I don't yeah. really notice a change between two and three. Yeah. And then like three to six. That's the danger zone. If you will, if you'll indulge me mm. with that turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, a couple other websites I've been looking at just cause I mean, looking at stuff like we know what we know, but also just to like verify, you know, everything I've seen, a lot of New England IPAs and most regular IPAs, three months is the absolute max. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. So I might let Andy replace these beers with some for the show next week. Oh, you gracious sir. Wow, how kind of you. (laughs) Yeah, and also I'm going to gently be like, bruh, 
This is six months old, bro. What yeah, I think we. I mean, we'll reach out to to the brewery too, and if if they get back to us by next week, we'll we'll uh, hopefully have some comment on this because it it seems like it could have been a good beer. I mean, you mentioned that there's only uh, fifty nine. I think you said on Beer Advocate, but that's still fifty nine people that rated it in the nineties, which is pretty world class. So I'd, I'd like to try yeah. this fresh. Totally, I think I agree. Until then, we have to rate it with a pretty firm asterisk. Shit, yeah, of, we do. Uh, yeah, that's feeling. Yeah. So with an asterisk, what do you give this? Um, I just took it. I took my third drink. Um, I'm gonna, you know, uh, f- 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 four. We get a four. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Mm, it's like a three point four. Okay. That's real low. It's not good. Yeah, that's all right. Um, well, that is for now, maybe to be revisited in the future. She drives a Plymouth satellite from Fat Orange Cat Brewing Co. Um, stick around for a, for an update on that maybe in a week or two. In the meantime, Johnny, I say we start talking about our movie of the week, which is called Extraction. Would you mind if I played everybody a sweet little trailer? Play it. They're hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you're gonna catch a bullet. It's just easy that way. This is an extraction. So who are the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. <laughs> Some mythic shit, huh? It's a kidnapping. Drug Lord's son. Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life as of six hours ago. You want to survive, you do exactly as I say. Who are you? Name? Ovi. Fast, stay low. Something's wrong. The city's on lockdown. Yeah, no shit. The job is fucked, Tyler. Tyler. Just find my money. That kid is a walking corpse, and there's no way to protect him. You have a family. Yeah, son. You died a few years ago. The best thing you could do for that kid would be to put a bullet in his brain. We can send a chopper and get you out. But you gotta leave the kid behind. Are you gonna leave me in the street? Hang on as tight as you can, mate. Can't you trust me? No. Good. No! All right, that was a trailer for a film that came out this year called Extraction. Uh, It's a film directed by Sam Hargrave, who is a guy that is known mostly for his stunt work. This is actually his first feature-length film. He's done a bunch of stunt coordination on a lot of things, but maybe most notably uh, Avengers, both Infinity War and Endgame. Um, 
This movie is also based on a graphic novel called Ciudad, written in part by uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, who are sort of big cornerstones of the MCU. Uh, the screenplay itself for Extraction was written by Joe Russo, and it came to Netflix April 24th, uh, so just uh, about a week ago, hopefully, I think, by the time people are hearing this. Uh, Johnny, give me a quick synopsis of the film. A black market mercenary <laughs> who has nothing to lose is hired to rescue the kidnapped son yeah. of an imprisoned international crime lord. But in the murky underworld of weapons dealers and drug traffickers, an already deadly mission approaches huh. the impossible. That's exactly the voice that I was going to read it in. <laughs> uh, so, Frostman, there's actually, I, I took it out because I thought it was too... I, I didn't want to kind of show my hand for my thoughts on this movie. Um, but there's in the letterbox synopsis, it says some of that, but it also has like a tagline. Sometimes movies on letterbox have that. And the tagline for this one is right before the brief synopsis. It says, uh, uh, where'd it go? It's, it's, um, when the mission ends, redemption begins. <laughs> it's like, all right, I get it. Like, let, okay, let me talk about who's in this movie and then we'll, we'll get into our thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it stars Chris Hemsworth. He's he's the the aforementioned black market mercenary. Uh, he plays a guy named Tyler Rake, which is just e either the most creative or the least creative name for a white dude I've ever heard. It also has, um, and bear with me because a lot of these are uh, Indian names, so I'll do what I can. Uh, kid named Rudrakesh Jaiswal as Ovi, little kid. Um, and then it also stars Randeep Huda as Saju. Gol Shifte Farahani. As Nick Khan, she is um, a woman who is also a mercenary that is kind of the one that pitches Chris Hemsworth the job. Um, we also have a cameo from David Harbour, who you might know from Stranger Things, or if you're a Newsroom fan, he plays Elliot Hirsch on the Newsroom. Uh, he plays Gaspar in this. And uh, Sam Hargrave, the director, actually plays uh, an actor in here named, I would say, Gaetan, Gaetan maybe? Uh, something like that. Uh, and he's also, he's kind of a mercenary that is you know, on the same team as Chris Hemsworth. It's a very, like, good guys and bad guys kind of movie, I think. Was he the sniper? Yeah, he was the sniper. Uh, they just called him G. Oh, that makes more sense, because I was like, I don't, I feel like I should know how to say that name. Um, yeah. But I don't. Yeah, I was like, I never heard that said in the thing. Yeah. Um. So I guess very briefly, just without, um, you know, delving too deep into any nitpicks yet, like, what what did you think overall? Um. Overall... Let's talk expectations and let's talk stuff like that, like yeah, we yeah. used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting um, uh, an action adventure. It sounded like just from the plot reading it simply just like a real quick like um, grab and rescue, covert op, lots of fighting, lots of guns, lots of like Chris Hemsworth getting to be a badass. Sure. And like be like this John Wick meets like solid snake or what's the nigga? Is it Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid? Oh, I just isn't it just Snake? Snake, yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, like this weird hybrid character that we're not used to seeing. Um, and what I found was a movie that tried so desperately to be serious that it like came out the other end, and it was almost impossible to take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. It was a fun watch. It was there was some cool car chases. There was lots of action, um, but there's a fine balance in a genre film like this, where you're walking a razor's edge, and you fall off to either side. You're going into the silly or into the completely over the top. Yeah, uh, and it's a balance that's hard to strike. And this one, I'd say for about 
25 to 35 percent of the movie they hit that balance the rest of the time it was just like what is going on this is insane um but it was fun to watch. It was entertaining. Uh, it was not something to be taken too seriously. But uh, overall, I had a good time watching it. I think it lived up to my low to me- mediocre expectations. Um, it's always fun getting to look at Chris Hemsworth. Uh, that's just a factor that you can't dissuade. That like he's just ruggedly handsome and enjoyable to look at. That's fair. So him all geared up in technical like SWAT team gear, being all sweaty and just like beating people up. Like yeah, all right. I'm into this. Yeah, I mean, like, I had a similar experience. I didn't go in with super high expectations or anything. Um, I didn't necessarily know that this was a movie directed by a stuntman turned director, or I might have sort of known what to expect a little bit more. Um, This is most maybe modernly in the vein of a Chad Stahelski, John Wick situation. Uh, Mm -hmm. But again, I think the difference is, like you said, for maybe the first 30, I might be being generous, like 30% of the movie, um, it kind of knows what it is. Like it's a, it's a fun, I mean, a little bit kind of action porny thing where Chris Hemsworth fights, you know, nameless like goons and has to get this kid. And that's fun. There's a particular like 10 minute long shot scene that I was thought was very, very well done. Very cool. You could tell the people behind the camera knew what they were doing when they made it, but slowly, but surely it does sort of degrade into something that becomes rather uh, tiring and then tries to kind of pepper in like a moral compass. And it's just not a movie, nor any of the characters in it. It's people that like ever give are given anything to justify having that type of emotional weight kind of stapled to the back of it. I, it's, it was, I don't know, man. It, yeah. It left me wanting for sure. Definitely. There was one scene in this movie uh, and I want to see if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It was so out of place. Oh, I, um, yeah. Yeah. There's the one two in the bedroom. Yeah. Well, it's all in the same house, I think. There's two scenes. Yeah. But one is at a table and one is, yeah, in a bedroom. Yeah. That scene, there's a scene, we'll get that in like, that's danger zone, I sure, guess. It sure. could be spoilery. Um, but yeah, that scene was just so out of place. I was like, I know. This is not from this movie. Like, what? <sighs> yeah, man. Who are these? Yeah. Who are these people? It's tough. I also like I want to talk if you look up this movie online, there's basically two things that are sort of talked about more than more than anything else. And one is sort of the the stunt um mastery in this movie. And it's I don't know if I'd call it that. Like if you are just judging on stunts alone, I think the John Wick approach of kind of the long take, hand to hand, really intensive combat stuff beats a lot of these scenes. Um I think in this movie, there's a definitely a scene in a room when we're first, when he first finds the spot with his kid, there's, he kills probably like 12 guys. And, and some of it's pretty gruesome, uh, namely a kill with a rake. And, and I just think that sometimes that's, it's not really justified, especially that early on. Like it's just, it's just almost, it's just almost, uh, not action pointy, like, like pain porn kind of like, ah, like that guy got his neck broken. Oh, this guy gets a rake through the face. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Well, that. you realize that happened because his name's Tyler Rake, bro. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Sorry. I, yeah. What a, this movie's a masterpiece. I don't know what I is was this even <laughs> Is this even a movie if he doesn't kill someone with a rake? Right. The, the, uh, the other thing, um, is it, like, it's hard to, to not notice. There's like basically one white dude in this. Uh, if you count David Harbour for his role in this, like maybe two, but basically one, um, and like the other thing that you, if you look at this movie, it's like stunts and also kind of the white savior thing. And I don't, I don't know if this is maybe as egregious as a movie 
that takes place in America and deals with white people and African-Americans because you got the whole institutional thing going. But this is a movie about a white dude coming in and kind of saving a kid from all of these other bad guys that are brown. And I, that's people are uh, not super stoked about that. And I can kind of see where they're coming from. But I also don't yeah. think this is a movie that's really trying to make any points. No. Except for because, the occasional I mean, scene. The, but all the good guys were brown, too. Like, we, we were, it was a movie with a cast that was primarily. That's true. Uh, yeah. Indian. Yeah. So, agreed. Like, dude's boss was, uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah. Her, <laughs> thanks for this, by the uh, way. Her yeah, name is, cool. is Gol Shifte Farahani. Yeah. Maybe. So she, she was awesome. Yeah. She looks familiar to me. She was in a couple things. Um, she was in, if I remember right, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, is there a movie, is there one of those called like Dead Men Tell No Tales? Is that a Pirates movie? Probably. She was in that one and then she was in something else that was an American release. I just can't remember what it was. So, huh. yeah. yeah. But no, I think you're right. Like, I think... Definitely. They, uh, it's not It's not a movie that's trying to deliver a message like um, like maybe a hidden... Do you see hidden figures? Uh, no. Uh, well, it was the, the African-American women who were working for NASA. And oh, yeah, yeah. They like made up... Kevin Costner's character didn't exist, and he was the one that like took down the, the coloreds-only bathroom sign and like gave her access to the keys or she could watch it. Like came in and like basically was like... The reason you guys were able to do this is because of this made-up dude played by Kevin Costner, who, by the way, doesn't have a great record for like racial sensitivity in his roles. What are you talking about? Gone with the Wolves was super fucking Jeez, sensitive. Man. Yeah, like that kind of shit. It's like of all the people, like you're trying to make a stand, or like I mean, the new gold standard for white savior films. I don't mean to dredge up old skeletons here, but his, Shut up. his Green Book, like, and whatever, <laughs> it's fine. The point is, these aren't uh, quite so culturally impactful, at least in America. I mean, extraction isn't. Yeah. So I, I give it a lot more leeway in that regard. And I think uh, what you're saying is true. Representation is uh, fairly uh, good here. Yeah. Like yeah. he was, I mean, uh, Hemsworth was like the minority. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I dug it yeah. in that regard. And it was cool seeing so many uh, Indian actors. Yeah. Let's. I mean, I want to, we can maybe pinpoint a couple if we want to, but I think there's only... And yeah, we could, I mean, that one 10 minute action scene, um, I think the actor, I think it was Saju is the character's name, but I'm not positive. Uh, Randy Puda, uh, some really good hand to hand fight scenes between the two of them. They're both mm-hmm. like Terminator level. Doesn't matter what you get hit by, you'll get back up with, and you'll kind of shake it off and grimace and then you're tough again. That was fun, but it did kind of get old for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. This this movie definitely had a, a a lifespan, a shelf life, if you will. Agreed. Um, for me, this movie it ran a little long too. Yeah, it was not a short movie. Um, I wonder if I'm see if I can find the running. Line. Yeah, it was it was four minutes shy of two hours. Yeah, this could have been a tight ninety, easy, easy. Yeah, I I give this an eighty and I'd be like, that's a good, that's a good time for this. Yep, eighty minutes. Um, I I can't not uh, draw the compa- comparisons to Man on Fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you um, got to. You have to, because I mean, just it an was Indian version of yeah, yeah, yeah. You substitute. There's just different brown people. Yes, they were speaking I'm, Spanish, and now they are speaking. What is it? Is it Punjab? Or I know they were speaking Bengalese in Bangladesh. I wonder. I actually don't know, man. I don't. I do not know that because I know Punjab is like one of the most widely spoken languages in the world, and I'm pretty sure it's the primary language of India. Um, but they, it could have been Hindi. Is Hindi a language? Know. I'm sounding so stupid right now. Is I it, don't. Is know. that a language? 
Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I am too, but what do we know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I think it is, man. I feel like it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, here you go. Hindi, or more precisely, modern standard Hindi is an uh, Indo-Aryan language spoken in India. Well played. Okay. Okay. Oof. Yeah, I, I know a lot of Indian people, and I like know little bits of Punjab here and there. Oh, okay. It's a crazy language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's fun seeing, like, I saw people in this movie that reminded me of people that I know in real life, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, imagine how people that are actually Indian felt seeing that. That's yeah. <laughs> wow. Shit. But, <laughs> dude, but Bollywood makes better action movies than this, like, every day, though. Oh, bro. for sure. Yeah. Every day. I'm gonna and f- they dance. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm in a Facebook group. Um, we just rewatched Slumdog Millionaire, by the way, which uh, okay. holds up pretty well. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. You know, I've never seen that. It's definitely worth a watch. All right. I heard it's real sad. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a heart, heart puller for sure. I mean, Dev Patel's great. The editing isn't uh, ideal. Like that doesn't hold up super well, but sort of the emotional arc and the message is still there. So I think it's, I think okay. it's worth a revisit. Yeah. Like that one and like Boy in the Striped Pajamas came out at like, the same time. Jeez. And both of those movies, I was like, I I don't need this right now. Yeah. Like, I I would I could just be sad, but I I'm gonna not to for for now. I think that's a good move. Yeah, Boy in the Striped Pajamas Pajamas is like next level. I I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I if I revisit it, I think I'll have a little bit more of a, an objective view. But I do remember it being like, all right, I, this is sad, very intensely, and that's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like if I watch that now, I would just uncontrollably weep. Uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably accurate. So yeah, I'm gonna not. But yeah, this was essentially uh, like I was saying, just a a slightly different, not as good take on uh, Man on Fire. You know, I don't actually know that I've seen Man on Fire. Bruh, who's in it's it? It's so good, Denzel. It is Denzel, huh? Yes, he's yeah. so savage in All that right. movie. Cool. Cool. That's a must watch, All like right. for sure. If you even had any inkling of an interest in the rough plot of this one, you'll love Man on Fire. All right, I'll put it on my list right now. Also, fun tie-in: Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, a gal who was in that movie is also in Love, Love Wedding Repeat, whatever that movie is called. I talked about I earlier. You're gonna say just she's in love? No, she's in love <laughs> with. Oh, I'm so happy for her. Yeah. No. So yeah, that's just a weird, weird tie-in. It is, man. I would say between Slumdog and Love Wedding Repeat, you should definitely watch Love Wedding Repeat. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, what do you want to do? What, what do you want to talk about on this movie? Uh, I don't think we have anything else to talk about. Let's rate it, man. I mean, unless you wanted to go over it anymore, I think our our feelings on it have been made pretty clear. Yeah, I think so. The last thing I wanted to say is there is like there is a lot online about kind of this action scene, like the really long one. Um, and I found a video earlier today. It's about a 30 minute thing with interviews and sort of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, it's on arstechnica.com. It's called how Netflix's extraction engineered a 12 minute one shot action sequence. Um, and it's, it's worth a watch. So if like, if you do like this movie or like that sequence, I think you might find this interesting. Um, and we can post it somewhere if we remember to do that. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, but no, man, why don't you go first? What do you, what do you think out of 10? Uh, out of 10, this movie for me is a 5.3. Oh, above above 5. All right. Yeah, it was like watchable. It wasn't yeah. awful. I didn't hate it. It just wasn't that good, and that's fine. Yeah, mine's a, mine's a 5 flat. You know, well, sa- you same go. reasons. It's, you know, yeah. probably not going to watch it again. No. 
Okay, um, that is for now our thoughts on extraction. We'll revisit it in the danger zone, but first I want to talk about, my friend, where we've been where we've been hanging out, probably at home, but what we've been doing, and uh, let's get into hot and bothered. What do you think? Yeah, let's just do it. Do you want, let's do my bothered first. Let's get it out of the way. Sure. I, I'm just seeing it on our notes, uh, and I have to know what that means. <laughs> Ego cereal. Yeah, please elaborate. All right, so we kind of went crazy with some snacks this last weekend, and I bought, like, uh, from Target, they have, like, the curbside pickup, so you can just order online, right. and then they just bring it out to your car. It's super dope. Uh, but I got some cereal. Shalina got a box of Cinema's Toast Crunch, and I wanted my favorite cereal from childhood, Waffle Crisp. Oh, sure. Uh, so good, and they don't have it anymore. What they do have is a cereal called Ego Cereal. It's from the same people that make the waffles. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, I believe, the Kellogg company owns Ego. Sounds right. Um, so, all things considered, it was a tasty treat. I didn't have any until Sunday. Uh, I had some Sunday night for dinner, okay. uh, like an adult. And that is the reason we have found out uh, with further testing why i got food poisoning on like sunday night and monday midday till like midday you got it from ego cereal uh for, so there's something in it that is just absolutely like swallowing razor blades wow it's, wait dude, swallowing them like when you were eating it you were like i don't like this but i'm gonna finish it no it was delicious and it went down good but like oh. your insides it just like it's like there's a little blender it's like a tornado of steak knives working its way through your stomach uh, worst, like just awful, like food poisoning, stomach cramps, everything you can imagine. Wow. Um, yeah, I was, it was absurd. I'm like, what is happening? I didn't like, I was like, did I eat bad sushi that I forgot about? Yeah. No, I didn't leave the house. What right. the hell? And it turns out cause Shalina had some the next day. I'm like, we ate all the same stuff. If you're going to eat that, it's at your own risk. Cause I'm pretty sure that's what did it. It's the only thing different that we ate. And then we had all the same stuff, and then she had, like, a few handfuls just dry to snack on. Uh, and this morning, she woke up sicker than a dog. Yeah, that sucks, man. I'm like, boom, it's a cereal. So don't eat Eggo cereal. Firm stance, thumbs down, zero out of zero for Eggo cereal. Well, this is the second bad bad mark on the uh, the Kellogg's Eggo company's uh, record. If I may be so bold as to jog my memory, from 2016, the Eggo waffles were recalled the Nutrigrain ones, due to listeria concerns. Maybe you guys don't know what listeria is, but I sure do. I know it off the top of my head, and I'm not reading anything. But Kellogg's voluntarily recalled 10,000, I think it was, cases of Ego Nutrigrain whole wheat waffles amidst concerns that they could be contaminated with listeria. Listeria can cause serious food poisoning symptoms like fever, vomiting, and diarrhea. Johnny, did you have fever, vomiting, and diarrhea? At the same time. I had all three. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's enough for Egos then. I think they had their chance. I think I'm done with them. Yeah, I think that's a good that's, call, man. Bruh. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. It was uh, like, you you think of an enjoyable sugar cereal treat from your childhood. You don't think about being doubled over in pain. No, you don't. No. No. So, yeah, that's why we didn't record yesterday. Yeah. And that has been the most bothersome thing I've encountered this week. Fair enough. I think Mother that's- of yeah, God. Enough. Well, what's yeah. what's got you hot, man? Besides your fever? Besides my fever, uh, first of all, quick shout out. Today is my mom's 70th birthday. Two mom shout outs in one episode? Yeah, boy. That's tight. 
so that's got me hot. I'm stoked. I got I went up and saw her this this morning. Took her some presents, so that was cool. Nice man. It's a big the big seven zero shout out to the moms. Yeah. Um, but what's really got me hot this week is Tales from the Loop. Okay. If you're familiar with this show, uh, it's fascinating and amazing. And if you're not, I will tell you. The townspeople who live above the loop, a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe, experience things previously con- uh, consigned to the realm of science fiction. It was created by Nathaniel Halp- Halpern. Halpern. Uh, and it stars some people that you'll recognize. There's some some familiar faces. Faces. Jonathan Lices. Price. Yeah, okay. For, particularly. Uh, and he's the main one. The rest of them, I don't really recognize anyone. Paul Schneider's in it. I guess he's been in some stuff. Paul Schneider? Yeah. What? What show? What is this show? Uh, it's called From the Loop. <laughs> what is it? Am, I thinking, uh, of the, am okay. I thinking of the right guy? Paul Schneider? Uh, uh, like the Adam Sandler guy? No, that's Rob Schneider. My bad. Yeah. Okay. You're thinking of Rob Schneider. Man, I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> no. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this is a surreal, almost dystopian alternate reality where the people in this town and their lives are integrated seamlessly with like elements of science fiction. Um, It's you kind of have to uh, suspend your disbelief, not only in like everything, you know, laws of physics and all that, but also like um, just, yes, we know that black mirror exists. No, don't compare it to this. It's like its own thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. um, It's actually based on art. It's based on a series of paintings uh, which was a narrative art book, which uh, this is what caught my eye. Uh, I checked out some of this dude's art, and I'm like, they made a series about this? This is crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the artist named uh, Simon Stal- Stalinhog. Perfect. He is very Swedish, uh, and he had a, a narrative art book uh, based, uh, basically, same title, and they based all a lot of the visuals and a lot of the weird stuff in this series on his art. That's and great. This mo- this movie watches, or this series, I should say, watches like um, somewhere between an abstract episode of Black Mirror meets Stranger Things meets fine art. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many amazing shots in this show, like that are just absolutely gorgeous to look at. And I can't say enough about the score. I'm so obsessed with the overall feel of this show. It's got this like ambient classical piano vibe throughout most of the show uh, yeah. and it's all very uh reminiscent of like Beethoven's sonata series he did like a ton of sonatas more than just moonlight there's i don't remember how many i've listened to them all but there's a ton um but it's very like melodic slow piano that just adds to this vibe of like you're watching more moving art than like a show. It's it's some fascinating stuff, and they get into some interesting uh, moral dilemmas and stuff in the second episode. Um, overall, it's a really fascinating watch with some stunning visuals and some amazing sound design, uh, and I, I would highly recommend it if you have all the time in the world to kill like we do. Yeah, uh, Where can I find it? It's on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime original. Oh, great, man. Yeah, the, uh, the composer you're talking about is named Philip Glass. Uh, this is, I guess this is his first time recording uh, music for television, but he's got a very, very long history of uh, working in movies. Uh, I'm just scanning very briefly. And I don't see anything that's jumping out to me right away. 
that I'm also scanning very fast. But I will also say that the first sentence of his wiki page says, uh, Philip Glass is an American uh, composer and pianist. He's widely regarded as one of the most influential composers of the late 20th century. Okay. So, you know, I think you're on the right track. You got a good ear, man. Nice. Thank you. I've, I loved it. Like I was just enjoying listening to it. There's so much, man. Yeah. I'll check it you out. You should check it, check it out. It's a really fun to just sit back with a cocktail and kind of just like let that show happen to you. Deal. That sounds great. Yeah. It's an interesting experience. Speaking of, uh, shows that are new or at least new to, uh, myself, I have two that I watched on Netflix this week and I want to shout them both out. One is a little bit higher brow than the other. So I'll start with the low brow one. I'm not a big Guy on reality TV, I don't, I don't ever really go in for it, but I saw something uh, advertised to me, which, which then later uh, transitioned me into Love Wedding Repeat. But it was a, it's a series called Too Hot to Handle, and it's on Netflix, and it's one of those shows where there's a, a narrative voice being like, "All right, this week on the show, we've got 12, 12 you know, single horny people from Tinder coming to spend a magical summer in the in paradise, and will they find love and that kind of thing?" Um, yeah, but. The twist is that within 12 hours of arriving, I think they get a 12-hour countdown, uh, they are explained to uh, by this sort of like air freshener-looking Alexa-type thing that starting now, you get no physical contact with any of these very attractive people that have all conglomerated here to have sex with each other. The Mm -hmm. reason you aren't going to do that, you're saying this like, I'm going to talk to you in a second. I feel like you know what this is. Um, the reason you're doing this is because there's a cash prize, but every time you break a rule, you lose money. And it's like an eight show thing. They're like 40 minute episodes. And the goal is at least the way that it's pitched is that hopefully by abstaining from these, uh, very, uh, sort of surface level sexual interactions, these people who otherwise have had no hope in doing this will establish some meaningful relationships with people in the world. Okay. Okay. And like, it's still kind of reality TV ish there's like clearly drama and and the cameras are into that and it's like oh she's being a bitch and he's being every being a bitch to each other and that's fine whatever <laughs> but i think it does kind of end in like a nice sort of uptick and it's it was a good i binged it all in like two days i'm like this is a great way to take my mind off of everything it's per, i get mm-hmm. i get why people like reality tv it's just a lot of it is so i think horrible it makes you as it makes you a worse person i think this one is okay really and that's too hot to handle on netflix because I saw the trailer for it and it looked like an absolute plate of steaming garbage. It basically is, but it's almost it's like a plate of steaming broccoli, you know? Okay. Like, like uh, maybe broccoli's too generous. Like Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Like bacon and Brussels sprouts. Like there's a lot of bad stuff there's, in there, but there's nuggets of nutrition, I think. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it basically yeah. looked like the trailer looked like softcore porn. It's actually so. There's no, and I was surprised by this too because it's rated TVMA. So maybe, maybe yeah. not to watch the kids, but it, there's no nudity at all. It's just mostly like horny guys and girls like talking explicitly about what they would do to each other if they could. And then like this mm. air freshener, be like, don't do that. You lose money. Stop. Oh, you did it. Okay, don't do it again. Okay, well, next time then. And you know, whatever. So it's just a show about horny, frustrated models trying, or not even trying, having somebody else try to make them better. And it's fine. Ah. It's, it's the other cool thing is like the narrator actively makes fun of these people at least at first by like calling them like like reality show star wannabes or like. And it's like, yes, finally somebody's taking jabs at like Instagram influencers on a on a major platform. It was very nice for me to hear that. It was very rewarding because I'm always like talking crap about. It. I was like, this doesn't matter. And then. 
for a show to be like, this doesn't matter. I was like, good. Thank you. Show. Yeah. Seriously. On the, uh, All right. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I may or may not watch that. I probably won't, but That's it sounds fine. interesting. What you should uh, did, watch, if I may. <laughs> did, any, did anyone ever change? Yes. Yeah? Yes. At least, you know, at least the show would have you believe. Who knows what happens when they go back to their houses? Right. But I, I don't know. I like to think that some people did. All right. Fair enough. On the flip That's, side of this nutritional yeah. uh, garbage plate is another Netflix thing. It's a three-episode installment of a, an improv show called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. And it's, it's, if you don't know these guys, um, I, you probably do. Is the short way to explain this. You've seen them yeah, around. They're, um, they're hilarious. They're both people that I could probably list things they've been in, but if you see their face, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, and yeah. it's these two guys, and they have, they've have they been doing this improv show, touring around, and they recorded three of them. And they're just – they're the funny I've, – I've laughed out loud so much in every single one. I can't get enough. I've already digested all three. I'll probably go back and watch them again. Um, they're so good at, at playing off each other. It's 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 disgustingly funny. They're so I good. I didn't find it massively bingeable. How like, long did I you? Would, how long did, did you watch I, all one? I watched the first one and then I got like halfway through the second one and it was just like losing me. Like, uh, um, but I think I'm gonna go back and like with some time between episodes. Sure. I think that would help because they have like a very specific brand of improv. True. Uh, and their chemistry is very specific to them, but it, it works. Um, so I'm going to advocate this show as well. I would just, with the caveat of maybe space out the episodes. Yeah, we didn't watch them back to back. I guess that's worth noting. But the reason I didn't is because I was like, I want to save some of this for when I really want to mm. laugh. Yeah, the first one was real funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, a ghost. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, because if you've ever seen improv, usually it starts off with, the people on stage asking somebody in the audience, like for a prompt. And in this case, they always ask, like, "What's something coming up that you're either looking forward to or dreading?" And the one that you're talking about, they they talk about. I think it's a wedding that's coming up. Um, and they interview the guy that says, "And they're like, all right, well, like, who's in the wedding? What's your role like?" And they build an entire sketch around it, basically, and it's all done on the fly. If you don't know what improv means, that's what it means. And I just think it's golden, man. And it just it, they keep the last one had me busting up last night. It was so good. Gian and I watched all three of them. Uh, we, like we were getting mad at each other if we even suggested watching it without the other person. <laughs> so maybe it's not for everybody, but definitely I'd say, yeah, like what you're saying, give it a little room to breathe. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm ready to probably, I watched the first one last night and some of the second one and I'd be ready to like start that second one over again. I think you should go to the third one next. Yeah. Yeah. And then go back to the second one. Fair enough. Um, okay. Very quickly. I got two more things to touch on. I got a new lens, an attachable lens for my phone. It's a wide angle lens. So when I am recording music stuff, uh, videos, you stuff, can fit your whole, <laughs> <laughs> I can fit all the walls of the room. No, it gets like yeah. a, like a really, really, um, really wide angle. So like in the past, the past couple of weeks, I've had to sort of shove my phone in the far corner of the room and back up almost to the other side of the room to get kind of the shot that I want. And now, uh, it's, I can, I can I have a lot more freedom in a director of photography kind of way. Well, that's cool. Cause I know you've been cranking out some musical content. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been waiting till I got this lens to, to crank out my most important one. Yeah. Which is for you. Yes. <laughs> so I'll probably do that, uh, this week, uh, probably before I do what I'm doing this weekend, which is a musical project, um, that I'm not going to talk about too much now, except that I'm very excited for it. And this time when we talk next week, or when we talk this time next week, rather, 
hopefully I'll have something to show for it and I will share that with everybody then. But I'm very stoked uh, to collaborate with some people musically for the first time, uh, almost the first time in this quarantine. Oh, shit. Are you dropping some new music on us, fam? It's not original. Well, I might do an original thing, but nothing crazy new. Uh, mostly a couple of cover songs and uh, maybe an original or two. There you go. I like your original music. You should do more Thanks, of it. I, yeah, I've been trying to get in that headspace, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anything else in Hot and Bothered you want to touch on? Uh, no, I think that's it, man. We touched on so much. Yes. Uh, my, fingies, my fingies are sore from all the just touching. Just all the touching. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's jump into the danger zone. We're going to uh, jump into that. We're going to spoil the film Extraction, which, again, is on Netflix. If you have just under two hours and you feel like watching it, go do it before we spoil it. If you don't care, uh, don't worry about it because we're going to jump in. Johnny, anything to say before we jump into the danger zone? You've been warned. All right, here we go. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. And it is the danger zone, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to it. Welcome. <laughs> um, so can we? Uh, should we uh, run through the plot really quickly so people know what we're talking about, or do you just want to kind of tear it Yeah, up? it was the same plot as uh, Man on Fire. Right. There you go. I did it. But for people like me that haven't seen Man on Fire. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a bad person's child is kidnapped. Sure. Uh, we find out pretty quickly that this, this person's in prison and his son's being basically guarded uh, at his house and the kid likes to run away and go do kid stuff and ends up getting kidnapped and then they have to call in Chris Hemsworth played Tyler Rake who is the <laughs> fearless black market mercenary uh, and he uh, he basically goes on a quest to oh as the title might indicate extract the young boy <laughs> from his captivity yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, through much peril and violence and bullets and car crashes and Helicopter crashes and boat crashes and van crashes and I think there was a goat crash at some point. Probably. I don't remember. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, somebody I, got <laughs> headbutted by a goat at some point. Uh, two two things really quickly. I've just now, for the first time in my life, and we don't have to dwell on this, connected the fact that kid napping uh, has the word kid in it because it's often children that are kidnapped. I'd never even considered that that word was dedicated to children. So, really? Yep. When you said a kid was kidnapped, I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. It's in the word. And I was like, oh, that's probably why the word exists. Whoa. Um, so, yeah. it, it, it's a word to describe the napping of which, kids. Yep. So we're going to move on from that. I wanted to mention that. I like that. Secondly, I picture this movie being even better if at the end, uh, Chris Hemsworth wakes up and staring at him across from the table is Leonardo DiCaprio. And he says, you've passed the first test. The next test is Inception, and it's like a prequel to Inception. And then in the sequel to Inception, there's these two guys, Leo and Chris, doing all sorts of dream shit. Whoa. I think that's where the movie should go next. With goats. Sure, why not? Yeah. yeah, yeah that's You've got some weird shit in your head, man. After we talked about uh, Willy Wonka being a sequel. Did I ever send or, you a link? Uh, no, uh, still yeah. waiting. I'll send it to you. It's so good. That's cool. You say picture. that to our fans every week. Nobody ever asks. You will post. You will post a link. <laughs> and and it, nobody it cares. Never happens. It doesn't matter, man. You don't use your own Twitter. Just post it to there. Yeah, that's true. Or the Facebook, Twitter, podcast, Twitter. Yeah, right. Facebook, Twitter, you know. Instagram. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that'd be a. I hated Inception. Oh God, that movie sucked. Okay. I don't think you can say the movie sucked. You can not like it, but I don't I think just, you can, you can't really make an argument that it sucked. Can you? 
No, not at all. Okay. I just really didn't. I didn't like it at all. I didn't love it. I thought it was, you know, I just rewatched that too a few weeks back. Yeah. Well, maybe longer. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's fine. But yeah, but it's, yeah. People, so people love Inception. Yeah. Like they it's, do. Pe- it's Which, people's favorite movie. I'm like, I, I don't know about that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that wouldn't make my top hundred movies probably, but yeah, no. it's good. Like it was cool. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, but like you like you said, extraction. Sure. Extraction. Um so yeah, all this stuff happens. We finally he, we realize that Chris Hemsworth is like, "All right, I'm my number one priority now because of this conversation I had with this kid in a room when I told him my kid died. My number one priority now is to get this kid out of here." And it's by the way, he said I look like a bread. Uh, yeah. And the movie starts like you said earlier with with him getting shot on the bridge. So we cut back to the bridge at the, yeah, a lot. Come back to that at the end of the movie. He gets shot and we're like, oh no, he's dying. And then it's like, oh no, he made it. He's going to survive. And then it's like, he kills some more guys. Then he gets shot again. And then whatever. And that's the movie. He like, yeah, can't he gets die. Gets and then he bl- dies. Blasted in the neck. Just by, Yeah. By that kid who like wanted to like really hated him yeah. a lot. What was that kid's yeah, name? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, that was weird. Uh, little Jimmy Nine Fingers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what a weird. That's that whole tangent was weird with the other drug lord. Like the one that's trying to get the kids. Like I'm going to send all these children now to be my. Which I guess is a real thing that happens. Like you know, kid armies and stuff. But this didn't feel like that. It was more like all right. It was more like The Departed when he when Jack Nicholson's training up little kids to be mobsters. But it wasn't. It's one yeah. kid like I hate I hate Chris Hemsworth so much. I'm just he always. He hit me in the street, and now you let me put a bullet in his head, and you can have my other fingers. It's like I don't know. That's a lot, man. You're right? only like that's... you're only 15. You need why did your hands. the stakes the stakes got high Just, really yeah, fast, real like, fast. Like let's slow down here, guy. Like yeah, wow. Yeah, all because like Hemsworth beat his ass because Hemsworth's like a full grown <laughs> commando. Yeah, 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 I'll admit that scene was pretty funny. Like he, he was like fighting all these kids, and like they're like you know they're not like kid kids. They're like old adolescence and he like handles them obviously uh in in a pretty funny way he's like like get out get out of here you goofballs and then like slaps them yeah uh, just slapping the shit out of yeah them. like he's, bah, 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 bah. i was like that's that's funny but then apparently yeah. not because you get shot in the neck by that guy later yeah should have punched him can we talk about uh the david harbour tangent yeah because that was that's a... where i definitely got lost or not lost but it's kind of where i checked out totally Go ahead. Um, okay. So the scene is this. Um, there is a guy named Gasper, played by David Harbour, who is in this country. That's kind of where he hunkers down. He's got a wife. And um, Chris Hemsworth and or Tyler and Ovi, the kid, need a way out. They need a safe house. And they go to Gasper's. He picks him up. And uh, they're just talking about old times. Not the kid. He's asleep at this point. But Tyler and Gasper are talking and about the good old days and whatever. And then Gasper turns on him. He's like, this kid's worth $10 million. You saved my life. Now I'm going to save your life by killing this kid. Then they fight. Uh, and and then the kid shoots Gasper and he dies. So how did that scene, uh, how did it play out for you? How did you feel? Oh, it was so flat. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, you, you knew they were going to fight, like, immediately. Yeah. And, like, halfway through the fight, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that kid's going to kill that guy. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty loud. Yeah. Like, there's no way this kid's not awake right now. Like, yeah, um, this is kind of what I was getting at earlier, or at least hinting at. Like when you have somebody 
Sam Hargrave, who is mostly a stuntman and then comes in uh, and directs a movie, like you lose oftentimes certain emotional realism. Like with that kid that Mr. Nine Fingers, he's like zero to 60 very quickly. Same with David Harbour here. He's like, hey, man, like this was, so, I'm so grateful to you for saving my life. Also, I'm going to fight you now to the death because, right. because whatever, man, I don't know. That kind of stuff. Like there is no emotional nuance or any type of um, depth to a lot of this. And that that's kind of what you look for after the initial 30 minutes of adrenaline kind of starts to wear off. Like, right, well, yep. Where's this going? Or you're in a John Wick scenario and you're like, they're not even trying for any of that. They're just going for adrenaline. So cool. I'm in. But it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's almost, I think, to the moment, that scene where we hear about Tyler's uh, family backstory and he cries and whatever. Like that's when it's like, okay, this movie just gave itself stakes, so I'm going to judge it differently. So. Yeah. And the kid, it just came out of left field, that all those emotions, like you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, the zero to 60 factor on all of the emotional connections in this movie just made so little sense. Yeah. And like, like you just that one moment that they shared, uh, yeah. Hemsworth and, and the kid he's rescuing share like this one conversation. And like you said, and now all of a sudden they're best friends. He's going to die for this kid. Yeah. Like, like uh, also, uh, Saji's character who is a guy, he's the guy that here. Okay. Let me, let me see if I can get this right. The dude, the dad is in prison and his kid, who is Ovi, is kidnapped, and then uh, Saju is a guy hired by the dad who's been around Ovi his whole life. He's been like his bodyguard, apparently. Mm. And they both get shot, Saju and Tyler at the end, and kid walks past Saju, a guy who he's known forever, and is more attached to Chris Hemsworth dying. And that was like, what? I don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. I don't either. It's yeah, that whole little subplot of Chris Hemsworth being like this troubled man who was just like, all right. I know. He, he, he can't just be a commando. Like, he's got to have like a dead kid too to give him more quote unquote depth. Oh, well, like, interesting choice of words because at the beginning of the movie, he jumps off a big cliff into water. And whoa, speaking of depth, he sinks to the bottom and is like, we're like, whoa, are you going to not come up for air? Yeah. And that establishes, my friend, if you don't know anything about cinema, that he is troubled and contemplating this being the end of the road. It's like Chekhov's daddy issues. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Although he doesn't drown at the end, so it's not a perfect comparison. Although he did drown in his blood. Well, no, because he was still alive and he did like the scuba diver. Oh, back. you're right. You're right. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, sure it is. Chekhov. What'd you say? Chekhov's. Chekhov's daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. Chekhov's uh, drowning lung. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I guess I guess that's a fitting arc, but it's so, so on the nose and dumb. Yeah. Whatever. It's a fine. Whatever. Watch it. It's yeah. better. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. It's better than like a sharp stick in the eye. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a thing that my dad used to say. That's the thing that happens to Chris Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok, also. So sharp stick in the eye. He kind of gets his eye. Whatever. You know. Yeah. I don't have anything else, man, obviously, in case anyone's like, I wonder if they have any more insight. No, obviously, we. I do not. I mean, we have tons, but not about this. No, I say we save it for bonus content on Patreon, where you can find us for all sorts of stuff if you give us money. Let's do it. Okay. I have a new app that I'm obsessed with that I'm going to talk about in Patreon oh, this cool. week. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's going to be wild, bro. 
Okay, well, then I will say that this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Uh, that's and so good. Yes. Yeah, we have to add your mom to that list, too. Do we? She didn't demand it like my sister did. I feel like I I'm sh- demanding it on behalf of oh. your mother. All right. This is going to be a thing moving forward? Well, no. You, gotta, you would not be possible without <laughs> your mom. And uh, the show okay. wouldn't be what it is. That's Shawnee Summers. That's Max Minardi. We will see you next week, guys. Bye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.